0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone.
1: This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
2: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business? Introducing The Godfather at Chapacasino.com.
3: Hi, John Schwab here from Curtain Call, and welcome to episode 80 of the Curtain Call Theatre Podcast. The podcast that brings you backstage as close as you possibly can be, often while the shows are happening, to meet the people that make that theatre happen. It's great to have you all here, and if it's your first time, you are welcome here. You're in a safe place. You can find all episodes of the Curtain Call Theater podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other fine streaming services. So go back and fill those boots. And if you have a spare 30 seconds, rate and review this podcast to help us be more discoverable to listeners who haven't heard about us yet. And now for this week's podcast. As this episode drops on the 27th of March, 2018, it is World Theater Day. And what a time it is to be part of this incredible industry. The theater is booming, guys. It's breaking records all the time for attendance numbers and box office receipts. In fact, I don't know if you know this, um, over here in the UK at least, uh, the theater brings in more in ticket sales than the Premier League does. For those listening in America, that's like the Major League Soccer League. And for those of you who don't know who soccer is, um, well, that's okay too. Uh, anyway... Uh, The theatre community has been my family since I left Durham University way back when with a BA Honours Degree in English Literature, which I duly tucked away in the attic and jumped on a tour bus with Bill Kenwright's production of Elvis the Musical, my first job here. And I haven't looked back in more than 20 years. So, you know, I didn't go to drama school uh, straight into work, uh, and sometimes I do regret that fact, but... Over the last three years, I have had the absolute privilege, alongside my partner in crime at Curtain Call, Matt Humphrey, to go backstage and chat with hundreds of theater professionals about their processes and experiences working across the UK's theater. Uh, and the UK's theaters, I should say. And, um, and I, you know what, it's, it's, that's kind of been my drama school. Uh, and it's, it's been... An incredible three years. And this week, I thought we could celebrate World Theater Day by bringing you some of our favorite chats. Starting way back in 2015 when we visited the company of three days in the country. Now, I'd worked with Mark Gatiss prior to our visit on uh, television projects and things, but um, this was my first time getting to talk to him about the theater. Have a listen. (laughs) Ask everybody just pretty much the same questions. Why theater? Why <laughs> theater? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, yeah. Why well, should start doing that? The, um, <laughs> is this your first time at the national?
2: Second. Yeah. On this different stage. Second.
3: Excellent. So, yes. um, it's a, quite a unique. Well, it's a completely unique set for the show. Um, has it challenged you in, in any kind of specific way or?
2: Um. It's been very, it's kind of strangely liberating, actually, not to have entrances. I know when we first started, it, when I come back on, saying, uh, when I've been to see the coachman, it's sort of something operatic about, like, I enter the servant's quarters, and you actually have yes. to do it, because yeah. there's no door opens to announce or anything, and that's why the piano does those little keys before people come on. But I think it's beautiful, and actually, I might seem pretentious to say it, but the I think it sort of mirrors the the steps of Russia. You know the 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 spareness of the Mm. play and the spareness Mm. of all that. And by the time it gets to the end, we've actually crept a little closer um, in the transparency and everything. I love it. I think it's. Was
3: it something that was born out of the um, rehearsal process? No,
2: very much. It was. It was. It was part. It was there in the model. You know. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we had a little. discussion about um, uh, the chairs because uh, I, I did Lanus at Lane uh, at the Donmar last year and we had a similar thing and it's very difficult sometimes to sit and watch a play over and over particularly if you've got a bad throat and, you know. mm. and Patrick said I'm quite keen for everyone to watch quite a lot of the play and I said what well, so we never get off and he went on for about another ten minutes and then I said so we never get off <laughs> but actually we it's sort of rationed out and yeah. uh I think it works really well for the last the last part when everybody's yeah. concentrating. We just sort of. It's also been amazingly bonding as a company because we we're all on right at the beginning. Yeah. Which is very unusual, and we all have a little cuddle before we start, which began in obviously in the teeth of terror. But now we've we've <laughs> kept it up. It's just rather a nice ritual. That's but it's it's nice to it's nice everyone starts together.
3: That's sweet, and you you guys have managed to find, you know where one might not expect to find comedy in a Russian, you know,
2: drama. Well, the thing is, it's built as a comedy. It's a comedy in five acts. always yeah. was. Yeah. I mean, the original, tagenyev was never happy with. It's, it's been done many different ways. It's usually four hours long. Obviously now it's down to three days, which is a good idea. <laughs> but I think, I mean, Patrick, I, I think it's the bones of the play, but essentially it's a new play. Yeah. And I think what Patrick's done is find... Again, that there's hardly a, there's no words wasted. It's it's, yeah. it's very spare, very modern, and you know, I, I get cross about the, the sort of false differentiation between comedy and tragedy. Mm. We all know that life isn't as a strange sort of goat fuck of the of the pair mm. always is, and I think that's what's lovely about this. It absolutely turns on a sixpence. Yeah. Suddenly, it's very sad, very. Gut wrenching, and then it, and it's funny. Yeah. So I think, and if that's a Russian quality, then, then that's what he's captured definitely.
3: Yeah, because the, I mean, your um, proposal you know, the when your back goes, and kind of the, the, the physical comedy um, is a great. The the way you guys also yeah. found those little tiny moments that it's a massive theatre it does feel very close even though the stage you, you mm-hmm. feel we, we're, we're well, someone on the stage door
2: asked me the other day why, why are you doing all this intimate stuff with one standing in on one corner and one on the other I said because it's a huge stage that's <laughs> why no but with the back I um, you know I just saw basically saw an opportunity and it's all I, I change it all the time wow. um, to, to keep it fresh and to surprise myself and <laughs> surprise Deborah, <laughs> surprise everybody who's watching really but I've I've loved it actually absolutely, but I also love the way that you know um, ex- you know really exposes his heart. Takes a big risk really, mm. but clearly underneath he's a very angry man. Very he's a, started in poverty and it's all quite through gritted teeth his sort of bedside manner. You know, yeah. so a pain comes about in every respect. It's such a funny performance. I'm
3: going to let you go, Mark. Thank you so much okay. for talking to me, and I appreciate it. Mark gave us backstage at the National Theatre during three days in the country. Now, fast forward to 2017, and another person who is a star of both stage and screen, uh, she was a guest on our podcast when she appeared in Mosquitoes, again at the National, but this time... On a smaller stage, there, the Dorfman, she spoke about many things in her standalone podcast, which you can catch on the feed, wherever you download our podcast. But the one thing that intrigued me uh, was her observation about the difference between screen and stage acting. It is something that I mentioned to you upstairs. Like you are really capable, and you st- like your characters are strong and capable of holding themselves, and you're quite good either holding yourself in a confrontation, be it physically. Or verbally, just they're just as powerful.
4: Um, I mean, and were you seen as
3: that kind of person?
4: You know, I got in, in absolutely drama just... no work as an ingenue, <laughs> <laughs> so I would just had to wait. I mean, I was never Juliet. I got one. I was in a play at the RSC called Valenstein and I was the daughter who sort of of a, of a great army general uh, who fell in love with a soldier played by Toby Stevens a million years ago. Mm. Um, But, you know, if I was Cordelia, there's no septuagenarians going to be able to carry me on stage. You know, there aren't many, you know, (laughs) what would it be, all dragging through my Greek, but, you know, no 20-year-olds or 30-year-olds, a few of them are going to struggle. So I... It was wonderful that this all came to me in my late twenties, mm. and it really took off in my thirties and forties. Because I'm playing a grown up, yeah. and it doesn't matter if I'm taller than yeah. the leading man. Exactly. Well, yeah,
3: exactly. But <laughs> no, I, I love that because, uh, listen, we're, we're here at the National mm. Theatre. You know, there are three theatres that shows t- today, and mm. and everyone's journey is completely different. That's what yeah. I love about it. Yeah, you know, and and it doesn't matter when you there's no such thing as cracking it there's no overnight success there is no kind of you know because you are a chopping actor I mean and listen I the soul destroying commercial auditions that you go up to to hopefully pay the bills for a couple of years is just character-, character building as kind of being in the fridge or getting your first gig here or whatever it's all part of it you know it's all yeah stuff.
4: and I what I I think the sort of sentence that I forgot to finish because I got distracted listing the amount of a-list as I've acted, um, uh, which is very distracting, um, is that I learned to love working on camera. I set out to mm. be in these Shakespeare plays, and which I've never done, but on the way I learned the absolute pleasure of film acting and the extraordinary places it can take you, yeah. from Jordan to, you know... Um, the Gaza Strip, from you know South America, North America, Africa, mm. uh, you know to Wazazat. and um, no idea where that is. Exactly, it's not far from Timbuktu, <laughs> and I'm <laughs> I'm not joking. Brilliant. Um, so I, and you know, <clears> I try not to take jobs on the basis of where they are, but that you know starts yeah. to be one of the yeah. factors. Oh you know, hang on, last days on Mars shooting in Jordan. You can't yeah. go there yeah. anymore. Yeah. You know, it's. Yeah. it's sort of, it, Oh, um, a le-
3: Listen, the only power we have as an actress mm. is the word no. Yeah. So if something <laughs> comes along, you can either go, <laughs> you entertain that, yeah. well, I've never been to well, yeah. Prague or I've yeah. never been to, you yeah. know, wherever, wherever. And, yeah, it's great. It's a bit of the, yeah, of course it is. And
4: then awesome. equally fabulous was, you know, at a a moment that could have been a lull and was a lull in filming terms, you know, Cheap by Jell came to me, offered me one of the dream roles, so it wasn't Shakespeare, but it was The Bloke Next Door. Mm-hmm. Um and in The Changeling, um, and to play that lead and we were on tour and going round small towns in France, um and sampling the wines and food that they had in each place. And um that brought me back to the intensity of a company feeling mm. and and I realized that I really, really, really missed that um, sense, which however much you learn to love the lens and the camaraderie around the camera, it's never as intense as the sort of summer camp um, intensity that you get in a company. Of course. So, um, I, I love it.
3: Olivia Williams there. And now on to someone who is making their theater debut in a big West End musical having become a household name on The X Factor. Matt Cardell was blown away by the experience of being part of a theatre company when he joined the cast of Memphis, something that he had not come across before.
5: And the whole theatre, do you know, the whole company is just so lovely. Mm-hmm. You know, right from Harry, as soon as you come in stage, to me, I we? fucking know. hell, what a I legend. Know, I know, I know, <laughs> You know, know it, that's the, that, you know, the feel he gives you and the vibe that he, he gives off is just, it just goes throughout the whole building, yeah. right up to the, the yeah. wigs up the top, everyone's just... Lovely. So what's
3: your um, what's it, the kind of reception? obviously like the obvious question is it's so different. This is something that's like you say is so different. Just picking up on that, mm-hmm. like you know,
5: what, did you feel like there was a kind of weight of expectation? Of, oh. oh, would Matt Cardle come on there and blow it away? Well, and, totally. Well, yeah. I mean, be able to do it would be the line. I would go. <laughs> I'd go not blow anything away. Would like <laughs> manage to get through the show without fucking falling to bits. I think was, was the line I was taking you know and well, like I say when I came to see it I just you know I d- wouldn't wish bad and never wish bad on anyone but I just kind of was like oh, couldn't the guy that I'm replacing just be a little bit shit like, he just was a little bit fucking amazing and I was like oh, god damn it you know so I had even bigger shoes to fill um, and oh, look I'm just doing the the level best I can every night, you know, and I have a short run and this is only four months which is kind of perfect for my first mm. show. Um And again, coming into a company that's so lovely and so tight, it's like, it's strange when Killian left coming in and being like, hey guys, <laughs> like, and he was so fucking amazing. Yeah. So it was it was a huge challenge and so daunting. Well, you know, you know, we didn't get to see him, we got to see you and it was a great,
3: great show, man. Right? Like, it's, it's, the thing is, it's, it's you can feel it. The audience absolutely loved, like loved it, and they're mm. up on their feet, you know. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, so it's, so that's yeah. you know how and how different. Just last last thing, how different is this from any experience? Like that, just being being that performer it's into coming in and, and being part of like a company. You
5: said it's a great company, but well, you know, being a solo artist is is can be quite a lonely kind of existence. You know, you see you band when you're on tour, when you're in the studio, it's me and one other guy, or me and two other guys if I'm writing in a group, you know, um, apart from that, it's me and my manager or anyone from the label, it's like, you know, it's quite solitary, Um, and then all of a sudden, I'm part of a huge team of up to, what, 30 people here, it's fucking wicked, you know, and I I come in every day, to. I don't call it work, because I'm having fun, it's not not fucking work for anyone here, apart from, uh, you know, one or two people, it gets a bit worky when it gets to nine months into the same thing, I, I can imagine... But for any of the people on stage, you can't call it work. Um, <clears throat> uh, and it's just like, yeah, you come into the building and it's just like, hey, you know, fuck, it's too many names to, yeah. to go through. But It's like, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. I love it. Brilliant. Matt, thank you so much for your time. Pleasure. And have a great show. Thank you.
3: Matt Cardle there. From recording sensation to matinee idol. One of our favorite theater experiences of our entire Curtain Call existence is of the play People, Places, and Things. We had the what can only be described as the immense pleasure of covering the show when it transferred from the South Bank to the Wyndham's Theater, and then again at St. Anne's Warehouse in Brooklyn, New York, last December. Denise Goff won just about every award going for her portrayal of an addict struggling to get herself better. And, you know, she was so deserving of every accolade that was thrust at her. We had a chance to talk to her about returning to her character of Emma, not only in a new theater, but a new country. Have a listen. It's just, you're, this is the the third run. Three, yes. Three's a, three's a magic number. Magic. Because we came to see the show last night. It was unbelievable. Thank you, John. It was a trick. And It is I magic. I think, um, well, I guess my first question is, how have you found it? Like, coming to a new, not just ge- geographical place, but just a new audience. It, the audience react different for... L- yeah. listen, the Dorfman's going to be a different audience from the Wyndham's going to be a different audience yeah. um, warehouse. so yeah. how, how have you found that?
6: Oh man, I mean, I love this place so much and I and I and when I came back to her um, oh, it was like she was like, oh great, I'm back <laughs> she was so delighted the Mormon housewife was gone um, <laughs> truly, so she just came right back to me straight away and then Coming here, initially, like, transition is always a bit tricky. And, Mm. you know, I'm in a new city, I was on my own, all of that stuff. So I was Mm. a bit, like, freaked out. And then once I really landed, it's been glorious. I mean, there is nothing I can ever say about this whole experience from three years ago to now, except that it has been a spiritual experience of my life. Like, it is beyond anything I could have ever imagined, hoped for. The reaction here has been beautiful much the same as in the West End but kind of more effusive in it's like people are prepared to go deeper, like I have all these letters everywhere yeah. from people and, and they share some pretty intense stuff yeah. you know, a lot of people die of this so yeah. here I'm really aware of that
3: Yeah, this, this journey, like um, I mean, I think this play, like we may have t- touched on this before but this play needs to be seen because oh, yeah, because this, for sure. I, I think last night whatever it was,
6: last night was show. It was a great show.
3: show. But you realize that this is true. This is one of yeah. the truest pieces of theater I think I've ever seen.
6: I know, right? And me read like anything I've ever read. Like it's been totally amazing yeah. to get to do a play where you don't have to lie yeah. or like fill in stuff I mean look I, I'm getting to do some pretty great stuff like angels is fucking yeah, yeah, amazing yeah, yeah, but there's a kind of a different type of profundity to the angels experience than there is to this this just feels so completely immediate and and also she fe- I feel like I, I love being in control of it you know it's a really great yeah. experience yeah. like properly yeah like a lion tamer
3: do you um, do you miss um, and or Sarah or, Lucy or... Oh, yeah, you Miss. Yeah, but you see Emma the is,
6: Yeah, but when she goes, I know she's never gone long. Like she's not going to be gone forever. Like I've, I don't think this is the end for this play. I really don't.
3: The incomparable Denise Goff from People, Places, and Things there, and uh, as this podcast drops on the twenty seventh of March, she's opening another transfer from the National. Angels in America. And uh, reviews aren't out yet, but the word is, if you haven't got your tickets yet, you better. That's all I'm going to say. I wanted to end this podcast with a special guest speaking about something very close to our hearts here at Curtain Call. We got to sit down and talk to the ridiculously talented Leslie Manville last week when we were backstage on our visit to a long day's journey into night. And, you know, what better way to wrap up this week than with a master of their craft, describing why she keeps coming back to the theater when she deservedly picks up accolades for her film and television work. Uh, Well, and she's just been nominated for an Oscar this year for The Phantom Thread. Here's Leslie Manville. What is it about theater that keeps drawing you back? Because we we get the benefit as theater lovers and practitioners, we get to come and see you do your thing and just marvel at it. So what is it that brings you back to theater?
0: Well, I mean, it's the great plays and the great parts, but I like it because there's no. I love doing theatre and films, but it's so. It, it is ultimately quite unsatisfying for an actor because it's stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, 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 stop for mm. a few days, come back, come from it, and mm. stops. And then the editor, the director, and the editor make something completely different of it in mm. the editing room. I mean, that's all lovely and great. But this is our evening, you know, it's, it's our responsibility. Nobody can stop me and say cut. It, the, the arc of the evening is ours and there's no hiding place. Mm. I've seen very bad acting look passable on film mm. and you can't do that on stage yeah. because you, you, you are exposed and you, every, every inch of you has got to be doing it properly because the audience can look wherever they want you might not be talking but they can still be looking at you and there's no hiding place but so it's that it's that hot sense of performance you know that however satisfying a film is and I've done some amazing amazingly satisfying films with great great directors it is by nature spasmodic Mm. and you know it's I mean, it's a different challenge, and I like that challenge too. You know, you could spend all morning getting 30 seconds of a script right, or a minute, um, and you have to keep repeating it in that moment. And, mm. you know, I, I like that as well, and I like, you know, this series I'm shooting now, Harlots. It's, mm. it's great, it's big, and it's flamboyant, and it's 1763, and it's about prostitutes and it's but there's no time to rehearse so you get there in the morning and you know you've got to be so on it and your antennae have got to be on the go and that you've got to come up with something and be inventive and be good and creative and I like that as well mm. but nothing is as the same as an evening that is you know a beginning middle and end where nobody stops me and I can do my thing <laughs>
3: Leslie Manville talking backstage at the Wyndham's Theatre about why she keeps returning to the stage. Now, before we wrap up here, if you are a theater professional, you need to head on over to CurtainCallOnline.com and sign up for a free profile page. All you have to do is create an account with an email address, make up a pretty cool password, and away you go. You can follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CurtainCall. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, just get in touch with us via any of the social media platforms I just mentioned or write to me at John at CurtainCallOnline.com. And that's John with an H. No Jonathan or Johnny here. I have to end with a massive thank you to Mark Gatiss, Olivia Williams, Matt Cardle, Denise Goff, Leslie Manville, and to everyone who makes these shows and every other production happen, both on stage, backstage, in the offices, the cast recording people, every, everyone, you're all brilliant. We celebrate you and everything you do to make the theater community and what it achieves such an incredible success. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Curtain Call Theater Podcast. Happy World Theater Day, and I will catch you all next week. Bye.
1: 18 plus.